In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Hi there, this is Pam McDonald uh, joining you for the second hour of Vermont Viewpoint today on WDEV. Joining me is Mary Hahn Beerworth, who is the Executive Director of Vermont Right to Life Committee. And wanted to talk to Mary about um, some updates on what they're doing on education and lobbying efforts. Um, so, Mary, welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, Pat. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. This is cool. Um, so, let's just jump right in, I think. Um, could you talk a little bit about Vermont Right to Life Committee? I always gets me confused with the word that you use, committee, but that needs a little explaining. Well, we started out as the Voice of the Unborn in 1971. Uh, uh, Vermonters across the state recognized the threat uh, that was looming, that Vermont would legalize abortion, and they did so in 1972. So, Abortion has been legal for all 50 years here in our state, and uh, but the group called Voice of the Unborn became a charter chapter of the National Right to Life Committee in 1974, and we've kept that name because uh, we, we really like people to understand that life is the first right. And when this committee formed in 1974, it was never just about abortion. It was about threats to all vulnerable human life, from from the unborn to the newly born, disabled, at risk of infanticide, and those at the end of their lives at risk for assisted suicide and euthanasia. Oh, that's a mouthful, Mayor. Yeah. That's really great. It's a broad spectrum, but that but those threats are proving themselves to have been well founded. Uh, the the, re- the reality of those threats to human life were well founded in those early seventies, and they're definitely playing themselves out today as uh, assisted suicide has expanded and uh, more babies are at risk for being left to die uh, in hospitals. Yeah, that's that's something that's happening. Uh, I've been reading about in other states. I'd like to talk about that. When you said. If I heard you right, you said 1972. Um, was that Roe v. Wade, or did something happen here in Vermont that I... Oh, no, that was a case here in Vermont. It was, our, the state's attorney at that time was uh, uh, Patrick Leahy. Uh, he took the case, and he will. you can see on his website that he actually didn't really defend Vermont's pro-life law, went to court, and abortion became legal by court order in 1972. Wow. And so abortion, the floodgates opened right up, I, I will say, in 1972. We have always, in Vermont, kept track of the number of abortions. 1972, there were 231 abortions. That shot up to over 3,700 abortions in the 1980s. And I'm happy to say that I believe, thanks to some of our efforts and our efforts of our friends in the uh, pregnancy resource centers, that number has fallen to uh, well under a thousand right now a year. Huh. Interesting. Um, do you have because when the, when it was passed in 1972 through that um, court, through court action, was mm-hmm. that um, like it is now, which says right, um, 
that you can have on demand uh, through the whole nine months? Well, the court decided that a, a woman had a right to an, uh, an, a doctor had a right to perform an abortion. There was no law yeah. against performing the abortion. So I believe back then in 1972 that. The court believed it was kicking uh, the details to the legislature to decide. Back in those days, the Senate was very pro-life, and they were very concerned about babies with disabilities, such as a child with Down syndrome, being at higher risk for being killed and uh, for being aborted. And so they never could come to any uh, consensus. And then, of course, in 1973, Roe v. Wade was handed down uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court, wiping out all pro-life laws in all 50 states that had been in place because of medical science since the mid-1800s. And so that wiped out every law at the state level, and that, of course, was just rectified. I believe it was rectified when they uh, overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, this, this current Supreme Court in the Dobbs decision a year ago decided, you know, hand down a case that, listen, abortion was never a guaranteed right by our Constitution and left it to the states to decide. Right. And, and sadly, Vermont has absolutely decided no protections for an unborn child in any situation, including a wanted child that is uh, a victim of abuse or manslaughter or gross negligent driving of a vehicle that results in an unborn child's death, there is no recourse to any civil remedy, uh, any legal remedy for the mother who wanted her child. So in other words, in short, an unborn child has zero protection under the law. And people can look this up. 217 plants and animals have legal protection in the state of Vermont, but an unborn child has none through all nine months of pregnancy. Well, and then after it was, uh, what was it, Bill H-57, which Act 47, which is 2019, Mm -hmm. that was um, a bill that was signed into law. And then we had Proposition 5 Mm -hmm. in the legislature, which then turned into Article 22, which um, uh, provided for uh, on-demand um, abortions up to and including nine, the nine months. And I, I must say I struggled with the language on, on both Proposition 5 and Article 22 because you never saw those words, nor did you see the word woman in uh, right. Article 22. Well, that was intentional because Article 22 means far, far more. Like as you had just said, uh, with Act 49, legal action was taken to solidify that a and it already was legal through all nine months, but it was solidified in statute, not just by court order. So that was already double protection. So really, Article 22, talking about personal reproductive autonomy, was always intended to mean far more than just abortion that was already protected by statute and court order. So, so you have to let those words uh, bounce around in your head for a while. Uh, personal reproductive autonomy, how far can that go? What does it mean? And one, uh, I can't remember, her public policy person uh, at Planned Parenthood said it will mean difficult questions for the legislature for decades to come. So they intend it to mean a lot of more than just abortion. My mind's swirling around here, Mayor. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but it really is... uh, 
It's an intentional agenda item for most particularly Planned Parenthood, who is the state's largest provider of abortions. They are the largest provider of abortions in Vermont, in the United States of America, and in the world. And because of passage of Article 22, uh, Planned Parenthood is now known in the state houses for what as, as a like the fourth branch of government. If they want it, the legislature is going to provide it. And sadly, I believe, uh, talking to people and knowing anecdotally some stories, but also our own poll numbers, people did not understand what Article 22 would would potentially mean. The advertising on television ad nauseum over and over only talked about life of saving the life of the mother, which even right. pro-lifers agree with. So I would love to be able to explain that pro-life has always made an exception to save the life of the mother. Now, right. any legislation passed anywhere in the country, and of course, nothing has been passed here in Vermont, um, but every legislation always says, except to save the life of the mother. But they played on the heartstrings of Vermonters who do want abortion legal to save the life of the mother. And they conjured up things like miscarriages being investigated and ectopic pregnancy pregnancies being illegal, it's very important for your listeners to understand that an ectopic pregnancy is not an induced abortion. They have been treated by hospitals, even Catholic hospitals and doctors. There is only one treatment for an ectopic pregnancy, and that is the removal of an embryo that has implanted in the ovary, and the mother could die and the baby cannot survive. That little embryo cannot survive if it is not uh, planted in the uterus. So there was in, that was a, a lot of hype that, that a lot of Vermonters fell for. And of course, they didn't yeah, know just, that abortion was already legal here. So. Yeah. I, um, I certainly understood people had a right to vote for Article 22. It went through the whole process and the legislature approved Proposition 5, but I, I was very unsettled by, by the wording. I, I honestly don't think a lot of Vermonters understood they heard what you, what you're just talking about and didn't understand the the ramifications of it and and then when they understood it they could support it or not that was up to them but but I think it should have been uh, maybe wasn't intentionally uh, uh I just found the wording very very strange and not no, very that was, clear it was intentional the, the there were several actors in this our attorney general at the time TJ Donovan opened his office up to uh planned parenthood and legislative leaders they were called the abortion group this was designed way years before it uh, showed up in the, at least a year, excuse me, I want to be accurate, a year before it showed up uh, in the legislature. The meetings were in secret, uh, so when, and they were held in an election year, so no one really knew what was coming. But the, the, le- the language was intentionally confusing, uh, and, and I was called shortly after the second passage of the amendment out of both bodies of the legislature, and I was told we would have debates on this, and I said, we're ready. We will debate anybody, anytime, anywhere, and we will provide folks who will debate on our side. Representative Ann Donahue stepped forward to be uh, a speaker for the group and and absolutely accepted challenges to the debates. And I said, oh, they'll debate her once, but they won't debate her twice because she has her stuff organized. She's a very logical thinker, as you know, Pat. And guess what? They not only didn't debate her twice, they wouldn't debate her at all. So those promised oh. debates were never happened, and 
uh, we set up a few, and they were all canceled by the other side. Oh, can't make it. And then, of course, we expected Channel 3, Channel 5, Channel 22 to host a debate or Vermont Public Radio. Nothing. So our this process did not play out as it should have in in educating the voters. It was money not advertising to falsely construct an argument uh, that would win the voters over. I'm here with Mary Beerworth, who's the Executive Director for Vermont Right to Life Committee, and we are talking about um, where we are with regard to abortion and with regard to our constitutional amendment, which we, uh, which was voted for this last uh, last last election, the year before that, yep, uh, right. 2022. Gosh, getting old, Mayor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> losing track of time. Um, and one other thing, which which wasn't mentioned mostly during this whole conversation, was uh, not our conversation, but the whole the legal proceedings was parental notification, which was. Um, People were very adamant about that in the beginning, and somehow or other, it just went away. Well, and under personal reproductive autonomy, there the new constitutional amendment, there is no age limit there. And so I don't know if we can ever have now parental uh, involvement laws. We, we did pass in 2021. Our members of the House voted you know, pretty overwhelmingly in favor of uh, notifying one parent before a surgical procedure or a medical procedure could be um, done on their minor daughter. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Peg Flory, Representative Peg Flory, led the charge. She was the chair of judiciary. And uh, she had a personal story to tell because sometimes, in some cases, finding out that your daughter is pregnant and seeking an ab- abortion can lead to understanding who the father of that baby is and uncovering statutory rape and abuse. So there's a number of good reasons for parents to be involved in this major decision that a minor child is making, often under the pressure of uh, the the father of the baby who doesn't want to pay child support, doesn't want to have it come out that he fathered a child. Lots of reasons to open the window, get some fresh air in the room, see if there's an alternative that, that would be better for the child they know best. But when parents are left in the dark, it hurts children. Right. Well, there's certainly an effort, isn't there, in schools with a lot of oh, yeah. issues. Well, leaving the parents out, this seems to be the new, the new wave of just what is parental rights and parental notification. Right. It's, it's it, a growing uh, concern, and I yep. hope parents are paying close attention to what's happening in their schools. A bill was passed uh, in the last session, not this session, to allow condoms to be readily available for children as young as 11. And they excuse uh, nurses uh, no longer have to report under the mandatory reporting of abuse if they see uh, whatever they see happening with those condoms. I mean, it could be the janitor helping himself. Is he is he molesting a child? It, they're just loosening everything that protects our children and our and our daughters. Um, and and uh, Planned Parenthood, of course, is implementing that program and part of sex ed in every. Class Now, try to think about the fact that I've already said Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of abortions in Vermont with clinics across the state, and now they're in our schools. So what choice, uh, what kind of choices are being offered to our kids? And in this last legislative session, Planned Parenthood was very much behind the effort to try to uh, basically shut our pregnancy resource centers down. 
and I can tell you a little right. bit about those centers. I'm very familiar with all of them. And the legislation was passed, S-37, now mm -hmm. Act 15, that would um, really hamper uh, pregnancy centers' ability to speak. They would, uh, the attorney general, who is openly hostile to the pregnancy centers as she was running for election, she did a video uh, pretty much saying, stating that she would work to shut the clinics down. These are, these are in seven counties, these pregnancy resource centers, they offer free ultrasounds, free pregnancy center tests, free pregnancy center testing, not pregnancy center, pregnancy tests. STD tests and other uh, support for women, not only to get, if they choose to bring their baby into the world, they, they help these women and young girls all the way through. Uh, oh. Parenting classes, you name it, they help with resources. And they take zero dollars from the state or federal funds. They do this oh. by raising donations from local supporters in their communities who want girls and women to have real choices. Right. And so, Great. And Mary, we have a we've got a caller. Okay. Uh, we've got we've got a caller who just called in, Jim from Faison. Jim, are you on the line? I sure am, Pat. I'm so there sorry about are. not getting through next week. Oh, I felt so I, bad. I I'm very sorry, but I'm glad we have connection today. Hey, yes, two quick for sure. Go I'll ahead. You've got be, Mary on the phone. Yes, I'll try to be concise. Um, <laughs> I appreciate the work that Mary does. Um, we don't always see eye to eye. But that's not really relevant. The idea I had was, could could it be possible that a commission of women, uh, a broad, broad cross-section of women in Vermont or perhaps even nationwide could come up with some sort of a compromise solution? This is obviously a contentious, um, divisive issue, and there are so many pieces to it. Couldn't just women weigh in in the form of a commission, make a recommendation, it goes to executive, legislative, judicial, and get it settled to the point where women feel comfortable across the country with a, a something that makes sense for them, to them. Right. And then secondly, it occurred to me with the woman from the food bank, and it has for some while. The the governor obviously is um, a lightning rod, and that's part of what they sign on for. But the food bank, she made a great point about the the meals, and that was part of a bigger spending thing that I was really concerned about. So there you go. But when there go. whenever there's somebody on from the administration. They are so articulate, so clear on how they're working with the other agencies to make the most of what's being spent. And I so wish um, we had listened more carefully when the governor was saying, let's be careful. Tough times are coming. Right. And, and here we are. So yep. I, I wish we had listened a little more carefully. And I really appreciate all DEV does. You guys are Amazing. Thank you. Good you bet. Thank you. I'm glad, glad we got to talk to you today. Um, call in again. That was great. Mary, um, Jim is suggesting um, that a group of women get together, and uh, I, I, I bet I know your answer. Go ahead. <laughs> 
Well, of course, we have the Governor's Commission on Women, and they are 100 percent to a to a member uh, in favor of of all these initiatives that have legalized abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. But I can hear what Jim is saying, and I appreciate his call because the average Vermonter just wants to make sure a woman in a tough situation has some recourse. Uh, but when we do our polling, and Jim would fit right in there, they do want uh, alternatives to abortion to be offered. They support things like notifying at least one parent of a minor daughter. They um, they want women to have uh, maybe a chance to see an ultrasound, be sure that she's clear um, that what her choice is and how it, it it will affect her for the rest of her life. Planned Parenthood loves to do the cheer, we, who loves abortion, and then everybody shouts, we do, we do. That's not where Vermonters are. I am confident no. of that. They think abortion is so serious that a medical provider is involved and, and alternatives are being offered, and we take this very seriously. It's nothing to cheer about ever. Uh, so I hear Jim, and yeah, sure, that would be great, but those that Governor's Commission on Women is funded by our taxpayer dollars, and there's no breaking into that group, um, and the governor um, is fully engaged with Planned Parenthood at this point. At one time, he did have some concerns about abortion late later in the, uh, the pregnancy and notifying parents, but all that is gone, and the governor, with his really high popularity rating, is promoting all of these policies. Yeah, and can I just uh, and thank you, Jim, for that for that question. I, um, I, I think and he also mentioned he wished he had I, I paid attention more or listened more. I honestly, I, I honestly don't think people understood. And if I would feel much better if the, I knew they understood and then voted yes or no. Um, but I just don't think that they did, and that's not saying... Yeah, but Pat, it's really becoming who has the money. The game is who has the money. And when you can advertise with millions of dollars on t- on every nightly news, on every channel, um, you are not really being informed. You're being, mis- you're being misinformed. But we expected, uh, and I blame the media tremendously for this, they capitalized on the Dobbs decision, let people believe that somehow abortion rights were in jeopardy here in Vermont, which they were not. Right. They were locked, sealed, and, and away, um, and super protected by statute and by court decisions. So it was unnecessary. It was way too broad. Several organizations, including Vermont Right to Life, said, if you mean abortion, use the word abortion. Use it in the purpose, right. which wasn't on the ballot, and or use it in the actual language. And they declined to do so. Uh, so they were challenged to do that. Um, and so that was a deliberate decision not to specify abortion and, and b- open it up broadly to personal reproductive autonomy with a loaded agenda, but then advertise on TV as if somehow a mother whose life was in danger could not access an abortion. And that's just sure. clearly wrong. Not, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, I just, um, well, I, the, the parental notification thing, particularly with what's going on all over the country these mm-hmm. days with schools is very concerning to me it's like why bother i mean what is what is a parent these days it's, it's very the government upsetting. has substituted themselves as yeah. parents so here's two things that the committee was shocked this year um, my policy analyst sharon toborg testified in committee and 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 it came out during her testimony that a 12 year old can sign paperwork to say my parents cannot see my medical records 
and the committee said, no, that's not true, that's not true, and one member of the committee is a counselor, and he said, that's true, and they're going to investigate that, but we know that's true. So 12-year-olds are making major decisions already, and your 12-year-old can also sign a paper at the library and say, my parents cannot see what I'm reading. So parents beware. And then, of course, not my issue, but those kids who want to be identified as a different gender at school can do so and keep their parents in the dark. This last June, on the 22nd, you held a Vermont Right to Life birthday picnic on the Statehouse lawn. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that and, and what the turnout was and what the comments were that you heard from attendees? Sure. We had a beautiful day despite a forecast of pouring down rain for the day. It didn't seem to dissuade uh, our supporters. We, t- we had at least 200 people there despite nice. the weather report. So we decided a, board, a member of our board of directors pitched in the idea that we should celebrate life. Uh, the other side is celebrating abortion, and it's, tr- it's time. It was the anniversary of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, sending back to the states the right to make decisions. And so we decided to have a capital birthday picnic, and it was a joyful occasion. We, we had some singers who immigrated here from the Congo uh, who were so thrilled. They have a, a, a sort of a choir. They call themselves the Divine Mercy Choir, and 10 or 15 of them came and sang some beautiful music for us about life in their native language and in French and in English. They are absolutely on board with with being pro-life. And they come from countries where life is cherished. I mean, what we don't understand in Vermont is that in third world countries where real suffering is real, they value life. And they value their elders, and they don't want them Mm. to be euthanized, and they want babies to be born. So it was a beautiful fit. We had great speakers um, that uh, talked about going forward. So so I know we don't win in the legislature, but we're always going to keep our presence there, uh, Pat, because we're going to stand for life until... Vermonters get it, and then, and which may be a hundred years from now, but we will have been in the history books. It will be recorded that a small group of Vermonters got it and understood that life is precious. Our number one goal, though, we are successful at Pat, and that is reducing the number of abortions steadily, 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 all down with our friends in the pregnancy resource centers and continuing that trend. So. Um, so it was a great day. We're going to do it every year. We're going to have a birthday picnic. We had huge cake, and then we had one of the singers sing happy birthday to everybody. Oh, very nice. Well, you, you were talking, when you were talking about the pregnant, are they still out there on the, um, uh, on the horizon to be uh, eliminated, the pregnancy resource centers? or have, well, they're, they're not eliminated. They're just under threat by the new legislation. Yeah. And one of the places where we step in as Vermont Right to Life is to get the attention of national organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom and the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates. And they have filed the first case in federal district court against the, the law that was passed uh, involved and, and are arguing... Great on grounds of free speech, um, that the law is unconstitutional. So there's a case in federal court, and and there's so many places that this is unconstitutional. And, Pat, we testified that it was unconstitutional. Um, And and they just pay no attention to us. We are completely ignored. We're tolerated barely as we provide our testimony. So this is what we have, this system of democracy and and constitutional republic. Our recourse is to the courts, and that's all we can do now is head for the courts. Well, and we are. You. I so we know there are a lot of other bills that 
What's that? I'm sorry. I was just saying that there are other bills that you're also tracking. It's keeping you busy there. Um, there was H-372, which was an act relating to voluntary engagement in sex work, making um, um, prostitution legal in Vermont. And they tried to pass that the last two years, which didn't work well, but I guess they're still trying. Um, well, yes, uh, they, they're talking about it as if sex work is... Um equal to any other work, uh, when in fact it will attract uh, pimps, brothels, uh, it's human trafficking. Within a minute, uh, you might think you're an independent operator, uh, and within no time at all, you will be prostituted. Uh, We have testimony from women who thought they were engaging in sex work, and then before, it's just one punch to the face, or I know where your child goes to school, and you'll be working for a pimp. So dangerous for Vermont, this beautiful state will become a a haven for some of the worst actors uh, that there are. Well, and that's not very, um, it's not out there. I think Vegas is pretty much the only only place where it's legal, right? Well, um, there's only some parts of of. Nevada, where um, where it's legal, and a lot of places have moved to ban it. Uh, but there are attempts in many states. But you know how Pat Vermont is always the test the water state. Right, we legalize right. it here, and, and a rash of states will follow. Unbelievable. Anyway, that one, that's one, I, and I love that it, it would be right on the sidewalks, right out in public. Um, yep. And I, I think if the issue is to take care of the sex workers. I get that part from a health perspective, but you can do a notwithstanding. Notwithstanding this is illegal, you can still um, offer health benefits to um, sex workers. Um, you can you can accomplish your goal without making it legal. Uh, I think. There's so many things wrong with what the direction our state is headed yeah. in, and uh, so... So that is just one of the bills. There, there are two bills. You know how when it's introduced, a bill is introduced in both the House and the Senate, right, you know, from your right. days of being in the legislature, that it's on a fast track to move. And yeah. that is a fertility-related services bill. So uh, one of the things I really do wish we had done when they were passing Article 22 is send it to a money committee to see what it would involve. Now, under personal reproductive autonomy, they're going to try to get legislation that covers every fertility treatment. And we're all, you know, we're all in favor of babies, but it includes surrogacy, and, and now it includes the cost. And it will also include if you want a three-parent embryo, a four-parent embryo, and some other very, uh, what do I want to say, such disrespect for human life, such experiment with, with babies. You know, it, like, does anyone really care if it's the best for the baby not to know who the parents are? And But it would include absolutely everything for same-sex couples, for transgender couples, and Vermont would foot, foot the bill. Now, in one case in court in New York, next door in New York, a same-sex couple wants a surrogate, and they want the state to pay for it. And their one chance at surrogacy costs $200,000. So if that doesn't come to fruition, they get a second chai at it, and, and on and on and on. So so if we had sent Article 22 to a money committee, we may have had a better sense of of what this was going to cost the state of Vermont. Right. Now, wow. I'm not against anyone. My son has children through in vitro fertilization, but the private dollars should be raised to support these things and not right. across the board on the taxpayers. Well. Oh. 
I have to go check that bill out. Um, yeah, I, I read it, and I was trying to figure out what, uh, why, um, but there you go. It's um, S30, so, S63 and H39, I'm sorry, H369 in the House. Oh, and, um, lovely. And that's on a fast track. Yeah. Now, I know we also, you were talking about um, uh, H-190, which was um, uh, to remove the residency requirements from Vermont's uh, patient patient choice at end of life. That was passed uh, back in 2013, right. where um, people could choose to end their life um, through a, a procedure that was outlined in statute, and, and but it was only for Vermonters. Um, last year, they opened it up to anybody wanting to come to Vermont to um, end their life. I, um, and I know you you were vo- you were working to not have that passed as as well, but um, it it did pass. It did pass. Interestingly enough, it, it was failing until the very last end of the session deal that was made to to get a turnaround of two votes in the Senate. Otherwise, it was going down. So it, it needs to be understood that you take a, a lethal dose, which you now they have uh, loosened. Let me start again. The other side, those in favor, promised that the safeguards were vitally important. There were safeguards so that someone couldn't be intimidated into using them. There, there were, and they weren't enough because anyone can intimidate someone into. We all know there's senior abuse out there, right, and you right. just push your senior that you want to get rid of or costing too much money, whatever, um, to get the lethal dose, and then you could put it in there, even in their applesauce, as they openly said in committee. But we knew that it was a slippery slope. Now, they have progressively taken out most of the safeguards. So now you can uh, get your pills by mail. Um, And now we're opened up to those from out of state. But we always knew that this was a beginning of a push that sounded compassionate and and kind to people to to end their suffering. Uh, so far, I don't know if anyone has used the drugs who is actually in pain. They just want to um, want to go. Happy. And we knew it was a push toward euthanasia, to full-blown lethal injection, which is what's happening in Canada. So it's the Mary, first step on a what slope. Per- what's the per- I don't get the purpose. Why Why are we doing these things? What is there money to be made somewhere? Somebody must be making money off of this deal. Why are we doing this? Well, it's it's really at heart and soul a, a population control, really. It's uh, it's a targeting of those who are costing us the most at the end of their lives. Uh, we have humane and compassionate um, hospice care, where right. people are not in pain. I know, and they and in the testimony in 2013, they were dragging up stories of when people really did die in pain. They were afraid of using too much morphine, as if a dying person could ever be addicted. We don't do those things anymore. We make sure people are super comfortable. It sometimes takes a while to get there. They have to figure out the meds. They have to figure out um, what's best. But people are not screaming in pain at the end of their lives. We have we have good methods of care, but now there's a shortage of health care workers, and I believe more and more people, especially those who are marginalized, the very people, the, the those in the state house right now, the supermajority, claim to want to protect all the time, seem to be the ones at most risk. So it's very contradictory. Yeah. Mary, before we get into any other subjects, I wanted to talk about what's happening in a, a few states, certainly California, where 
a child can, the life can be terminated if it's sort of made it through the abortion process. Um, could you talk about that, and is that coming to Vermont? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's already here. The uh, so you a child there's try the U.S. Congress has tried to pass legislation. I think over 80 times they have brought Infant Born Alive Protection Act. So um, and and that has been soundly rejected by the supermajority of pro-abortion Democrats and sort of progressives in both the House and Senate. Um, so, so yes, it, they want to say if a child is born alive, it needs to be treated like any other t- child. Just because the mother wanted to abort the baby and the baby didn't die, that doesn't mean now separate from the mother, the child doesn't deserve all protections and and appropriate care. Certainly, we don't want to increase the suffering of a far too premature born alive infant. But if a, if a care is appropriate, it should be now handled as any other child, a miscarried baby at whatever stage of pregnancy. And so those bills are being brought up around the country, and I'm not sure how successful they have been. Maybe one or two states have passed them. This goes way back to President Ronald Reagan, who in the 80s was aware that they were just leaving infants to die in laundry closets that were fully developed, fully born, I mean, fully full term, but maybe had Down syndrome, and the parents rejected them, and they were just right. left to die. So um, he brought, I, you, he and I, you and I both know somebody uh, who was a nurse and uh, in California was asked to, to deal with a baby that made it through the abortion process and was alive, mm-hmm. and um, something that um, stays with her for, for her whole life. And her whole life she pretty, was asked to hold that baby till it took its last breath, yes. Yep. Yeah, pretty it happens. It's real, and it starts with a lack of respect for human life. So even in the early days when the United States, the early, early uh, states that were formed, brought common law with them from England, and they didn't know and they didn't understand what modern technology knows today about the beginning of human life. There's, there's no credible biologist who puts the beginning of human life at anything any place other than the moment of conception. But they didn't know that. They thought a baby came alive in the womb, and they called it quickening. So when the mother could feel the baby kicking, they thought everybody believed in God in those days, and they thought God had breathed life and a soul into that uh, new child. It was like a lump of clay before that, and then all of a sudden, boom, breath came and life came, and that baby was kicking. So they were wrong, but they tried to protect uh, by law that little right. child at least the time of quickening. Huh, I've never heard that before. Yes, well, you can look that up. Look bit... up quickening. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to do that. You give me a lot of homework here, Mayor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have well, to report and, and back. I, I'm, I'm passionate about it because, and I and I would like to say this. I hope we have enough time. But I did not get involved in this all those years ago, because so much because of the babies, uh, because I thought, well, you know, if mother doesn't want it, but. Then, then, and I wanted to work to protect human life after I started having children. But what really broke my heart was the mothers who regretted their abortion. Right. So we're right. screaming choice, and then we have women crying. They can't walk down the, the baby product aisle in the grocery store because they'll never get over that they did this to a child of theirs. And they so often are doing it under pressure. So many women have confided in me, and I'm very grateful that they feel they can, that I, they don't feel I'm any kind of judgment about it. I understand the pressure. But when they say to me, Mary, I felt I had no choice, my heart breaks because it's supposed to be about choice, and yet it's really not. 
women are making decisions under tremendous pressure, and they are not being offered alternatives. And that breaks my heart. Right. Yeah. I. Um, I, I. Well, I think I told you this. I, I don't. I want to talk about the work that you were doing at the at the fairground at the fairs these this summer. But before Roe versus Wade, I had two friends. I said this before. One went. They both went to the, you know, the, the back alley approach. And mm-hmm. one was fine, everything worked out as she had hoped for. The other one was completely, completely mangled and never could have a child. And it was, she almost died. She got infected. And it was horrible. So then Roe versus Wade passed, and I thought, well, at least they could mm-hmm. have, um, you know, a protection of a, of a hospital and, and uh, if that was their choice. But um, we've certainly taken it to another whole level. Well, and, you... and rarely is abortion, uh, first of all, abortion is never safe for the other, for the baby. But second of all, women are, are damaged to this day. The, we're, we're, they are relying heavily on this medication abortion, and there is a Supreme Court case about that. But that those drugs can cause serious harm, and they are right now being uh, promoted to be used through the mail, which is, which precludes a visit to make sure that it's not an ectopic pregnancy and that the the woman has exactly calculated her last period. Both of those things matter tremendously and can really harm women, uh, including dying. So where the uh, Supreme Court is looking at a case to examine how the FDA dropped all the safety regulations around getting a medication abortion to see if there is enough, was there enough evidence that it was safe to do so. Well, Mayor, you, you were talking about in the mail, and I, I didn't follow up on it, and I should have. At the end-of-life pills, mm-hmm. they're sending them through the mail, and it's not being done under doctor supervision? Oh, it's under doctor supervision, but they can send them to you through the mail. But do they know if the person took it? This is all COVID-related, when they didn't want people coming into the doctor's offices. And so it's related to that whole shutdown. And now it's time to see if it was appropriate and should it still continue. Because you don't know if the person got the, who got it, uh, the pills Unbelievable. In either case, you can't be sure where those pills will land. And and there is a case, I don't know if I have enough time, uh, but mm-hmm. there is a case coming out of Colorado where these, these two guys, one guy went to support his friend who was going to take the lethal dose, and they they had been drinking heavy. So the friend, the, the one who was dying said, oh, this drug is so bitter to swallow, it burns going down, which it does. And so the friend said, let me try that. Oh, so they wind up with a medical emergency. Now there's a case study about it so that EMTs can understand what they have to figure out who wanted to take it, who didn't want to take it, how to, what a mess. <laughs> oh, my God. Rewrite yeah. the books. Oh, Mayor. Oh, my God. All right. So listen, on a, on a positive note, we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, sure. You were at uh, several fairgrounds this um, this season, Rutland, Addison County, and Champlain Valley Fair. You had uh, volunteers working at the, the Right to Life booth. What was the reaction yes, from and the two people in, at the fair? Let me add fair? to that. Two in Franklin County and one in the Barton Fair. I mean, yeah, the Barton Fair oh, up Barton, in Caledonia. Right. So, so, yes, and uh, I wasn't at them myself. It involved about 200 volunteers willing to put in volunteer hours at these booths, and I got just glowing positive responses right. 
pregnant women love to show their children, even not pregnant women, they love to show their children how they were in their mother's wombs. We have these fetal models that are the real uh, size of unborn babies at all stages of pregnancy, and they, they just love to show their children what, how little they were and how they grew in their womb. And, and that's the way we reach thousands of people with the positive pro-life message. And, and I believe our message is positive. We are called anti-abortion over and over. It is not accurate to call us anti-abortion. As I said before, it's been about abortion, infanticide, and, and euthanasia. We are pro-life, and we have a positive message. Let's protect and celebrate and respect human life. Mary, what a great way to end the show. I thank you very much. Um, we are um, going to uh, thank Mary for all the work that she did and, and her group. And just so you know, I am extending an invitation to Planned Parenthood to come on the show um, so that um, we can talk about um, the other side of the story. Um, anyway, Mary uh, Beerworth, thank you, and all of the folks uh, that work with you for your work. Uh, This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV.